Hi folks, Andres here. We want to help you learn all about Barcelona. That's why you can listen to this episode in the Circa app for iPhone and get all the show notes, pictures, maps, and links you need to find everything we tell you about in this Barcelona guide. Best of all, in the Circa app, you can message a Circa concierge. You can get any question answered by real people here in Barcelona. Where does CFC Barca play? How to use a metro? Where to eat a delicious seafood paella on the beach right now? We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And who knows, you might even get to talk to me. For limited time, the Circa Travel app is completely free. Get it in the App Store right now or at circatravel.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Circa. In this pop culture episode, we will be listing a lot of places, people, and incredible things to do in the traditional yet hedonistic Barcelona. We're going to give you a lot of information. But don't worry, there will be maps, notes, and info on all the places mentioned in these guides in the Circa app. Whether you're in Barcelona right now, heading there soon, or would just like to learn all about a city we truly love, you're in the right place. This is what we do. So just sit back, put your headphones on, and enjoy. Let's go to Barcelona. Circa. Love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. The small city of Tarragona, 100 kilometers south of Barcelona, was once named the Other Rome by Emperor Augustus in the 5th century. It's a quaint but somehow majestic coastal location, which has since been overshadowed by its younger brother, the capital of Catalonia. But this place was once the richest city this side of the Mediterranean. Tarragona is full of history. The Roman ruins here are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. They have a Roman amphitheater. It's beautiful, almost Aztec. It looks like the Colosseum flipped upside down, fell from the sky, and landed on the beach. The city's Roman walls, the citadel, and the cathedral, they're pretty incredible to see too. It's also a little less metropolitan, which means that the old ways feel a little more alive. And that's why we're here. To see one of the most incredible community traditions in the world. The Concurso de Castells, a human tower competition which takes place every two years in the immense Tarraco Arena Plaza. Thousands of people gather in this giant circular arena with its open roof. They all wear bright white pants with a black sash and a colored polo shirt, which marks their team. Huge groups of red, blue, yellow, purple, and green gather together, a rainbow of clustered, chattering crowds. 
There are nearly 100 teams of Castellers in Catalonia. Each forms a base or a piña. Then both men and women climb up on top of each other, holding hands, bracing themselves, standing on the shoulders of their teammates. They form a circle, and then more start climbing. These form another, then another, then another, sometimes reaching nine, ten people high. Strength, balance, courage, and mindfulness, it's the motto of this league. Then a child, wearing a crash helmet, sometimes no older than ten years old, climbs up the shaking, straining, swaying tower of people to the top, raises one hand and quickly descends just before the tower of people deconstructs and they disappear down into the crowd, into their own people. A tower challenge is not complete until it's built and unbuilt. Points go to teams for the number of tiers, the number of people in each, and the speed of construction. And sometimes, they fall. This inspiring tradition, which represents strength in numbers, community and patience, can be traced back to 1712. This craziness has been happening here for more than 300 years. Popular culture here is old. A little dark, a tiny bit irresponsible, but somehow, the pop culture here, for lack of a better word, is for everyone. And in this episode of our Barcelona Guide, we're going to find out all about how the oldest traditions inform the most modern cultures and scenes in the city, no matter where they come from. From folklore to pop music, from theater to movies, from traditional food to iconic street art, from fashion to comic books, this place has kept its pop culture spirit alive. But it's taken influence and embraced it or morphed it into something else entirely. So welcome to the very old and very young Barcelona. The donkey. If you're ever driving around the rest of Spain, quite often you'll see these huge, pitch black, towering, shadowed cutouts on the side of the highways and country roads. The unmistakable outline of the toro, the bull, Spain's national symbol, strong, horned, ready to charge, ominous, and imposing, even in silhouette. These were originally put out by the Osborne Sherry Company in the 1950s to promote their product, a marketing campaign which became a national symbol of Spanish pride. The bull is everywhere in Spain, on T-shirts, key rings, bumper stickers, underwear, you name it. It's a symbol which still sticks in the craw of the Catalans who are pushing from independence. Independence from a country that to them often feels brash, bold, headstrong, well, bullish. So a couple of Catalan friends tried to do something about it. In 2003, Jaume Sala and Alex Ferreiro came up with the idea for the Catalan donkey as a symbol of the region. These large domestic donkeys with white muzzles and long pointed ears are old. They were written about by Pliny the Elder in the first century. They were once numerous, but by the 1980s, their numbers had dwindled to just two dozen. Salam Ferreiro started the idea primarily as a joke to mock the macho right in Madrid, but also to showcase true characteristics beyond a superficial advertising campaign. 
The Catalans are hardworking, stubborn, quietly intelligent, and with the ability to endure hardship. At first, the donkey as a symbol didn't seem quite like a runaway success. The friends originally printed just 50 bumper stickers for their friends. Then a thousand, then five thousand, then three hundred thousand. The joke snowballed into something quite unexpected. You'll spot them on cars all over the city and in more touristy souvenir shops around La Ramblas. Despite a court case from the designer of the donkey regarding payment, the regional news put the Catalan donkey back in the zeitgeist, and the boys and their joke helped save the nearly extinct Catalan burro. There are now 500 real Catalan donkeys, and only 92 Osborne bulls. The Catalans really do know how to work, quietly and sternly like the donkey. But they also see the power of working together, moving together, building together, and partying together. And for Barcelona, there are many parties. But the biggest one in the city says so much about the cultural traditions and eclectic, uncliquey nature which still exists here in the city. That's where the donkey comparisons end. La Merced. Every year for about a week, culminating on the night of the 24th of September, Barcelona celebrates her patron saint, La Merced. This is the Festa Major of the city, the big party. Throughout the days and sometimes weeks leading up to the 24th, the streets are packed with a quarter of a million people and more than 500 activities and events. It is an intense city-wide festival full of activities for all ages. We will link you to the official La Merced Festival website in the notes. This origin story is complicated. As far as origin stories about parties are concerned... It's said that on the 24th of September in 1218, the Virgin of Mercy appeared out of thin air with a request for St. James I of Aragon, St. Peter Nolasco, and St. Raymond of Peñafort. Apparently, there were some monks she wanted freed who were being held by the Moors in the south of Spain. The king and the two saints did what they could and founded a religious order dedicated to the redemption of captives. So in 1687, she returned the favor by shielding the city from a plague of locusts. There was much rejoicing. Much of the events in these two weeks of September are filled with traditional Catalan music, culture, food, parties, and more. Here, you can see gigantes and capgrossos. Giants and big heads. The giants are 12-foot-tall, costumed, papier-mâché figures with oversized heads, swinging arms and clothes which thankfully hide the poor soul underneath having to carry it. They usually walk to a main square in many of the barrios and towns around the city, accompanied by locals and a drum and tabor pipe band. The figures, often crafted by locals, are usually archetypes of the town or historical figures of local relevance a founding king and queen, or pairs of Moorish and Christian nobles, or sometimes a giant pigeon. A new trend has become to depict a local hero or someone well-known in the area. Seems really sweet, right? But to be totally honest, they're pretty damn creepy, especially if puppets aren't your thing. 
The Capgrossos, the big heads, are usually the ones to watch out for. These slightly smaller, mischievous figures with oversized heads will often chase people, sometimes with a whip, especially children and young women. Yeah. If that's not terrifying enough, the Karefok should do it. Literally, the fire run. In the Correfoc, a group of young adults will dress as devils and light up spinning fireworks fixed on pitchforks, dancing to the sound of tribal drums. Insanely, they set off their fireworks inside the crowd of people. If you want to take part in the fire run, the idea is to get as close to the running devils as possible while giant Catherine wheels of sparks spill onto the crowds. It's usually held on the last night of the festival. This once theatrical performance, originally a feature of medieval street theater, the Ball de Diables, it was eventually adopted by the church for religious occasions. During the repressive Franco-era dictatorship, Catalan traditions were frowned upon. And in the last 30 years, as part of this democratic resurgence, the devils took to the streets again. If you're here for the night, please dress to get anything you're wearing burned by tiny embers an old hoodie, and some protective eyewear. And get in there. It's remarkably less dangerous than it looks, and it's an insane photo opportunity. Or do what we do. Grab a cold one and watch the pure craziness from a safe distance. FYI, Le Merceau is not all plagues of locusts, grotesque devils, dangerous fires, and weird big-headed puppets. There's a 10-kilometer run. Numerous sports events, wine and food fairs, street theater, circus, and many, many concerts, all taking place in some of Barcelona's most beautiful buildings, squares, and galleries. And best of all, all of these events are free, and year on year, they're growing. Oh, and along with all the cultural and theatrical eccentricities of the people of this region, it's also the best time to see the human tower competitions all over the city's major squares. The other Valentine's Day. The Catalans, despite the size of their region, are a super proud people. The Senyera, the Catalan flag, is pretty prominent. You'll see it hanging from balconies all over the city, and even more so when you head west or north and travel through the more remote areas towards the Pyrenees. This is actually one of the oldest flags in Europe with red and yellow alternating stripes. Sometimes you'll see it with a blue triangle and a white star. This is the Catalan independence flag. But there is a day where you will see this flag no matter where you look. And this day is perhaps the most celebrated single day in the city's calendar outside of Christmas. April 23rd, the day of San Jordi, Barcelona's patron saint. It's backed by the familiar story of St. George slaying a dragon to save a princess. And it's celebrated in a lot of countries, including Canada, Croatia, Portugal, Cyprus, Greece, Georgia, Serbia, Bulgaria, and Romania. But here, it has become infused with other days and traditions. Since the 1930s, 
This celebration has evolved into a beautiful, mashed-up version of International Book Day and Valentine's Day, where the streets are filled with stalls selling roses and novels by the truckload. It's also rumored that this is the day that both William Shakespeare and Miguel de Cervantes died. Traditionally, on St. Jordi, women get flowers, men get books. But that's changing. Kids buy them too. Red, white, yellow, and blue roses for classmates. Adults buy them for lovers, teachers, friends, and family. If you're lucky enough to be here on this special day, head to Rambla de Catalunya for the full effect. Or to La Central in the Raval, one of the city's finest bookstores. But wandering anywhere in Barcelona on this day in April is a pretty romantic and unique experience which you can only catch in Catalonia. Hi, everyone. Circa's recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Cagatillo, the kings, and Christmas in Catalonia. A festive holiday worth taking in if you can is Christmas in Barcelona. Traditionally, the 6th of January is the big day, though. El Día de los Reyes. But it's the night of the 5th which gets all the attention, especially from kids. The three wise men are the bearers of gifts in Spain, not Santa. However, a lot of homes here do stay up and wait for him on the 25th of December, which is understandable with such a huge international community settling here. Certain families have one side giving gifts from Santa, the other from the kings, and somehow the parents are caught in the middle trying to explain how any of this makes any sense. But Santa is definitely not the norm for most Catalan families. In fact, recently, 70% of kids polled here in the city preferred the three kings over Papa Noel, at Santa, as their preferred gifter. On the night of the 5th of January, there are parades all over the neighborhoods of the city. They're televised, in fact. The streets are flooded with children and parents as the king's floats, loaded with gifts, trundle along, dishing out presents to thousands of little girls and boys, trying to catch as much of the hard candies being thrown to them. It's also worth noting the other star of Christmas. A log with a face drawn on it and two stumpy front legs named Cagatillo, who, legend has it, wanders from the mountain about two weeks before Christmas to be taken into families' homes and cared for until the 25th. Children love the tío, but he has no idea what's coming to him. Lulled into a false sense of being one of the fam, fed and watered by the children in the lead-up to the big day, he sits by the fireplace eating clementines and lentils, cozy and warm in a big fluffy blanket. 
Then, on Christmas Day, all of the children in the house are given bastons, sticks, to beat the log until he poops them a present, hidden beneath the sprawling blanket. Chocolates, turons, small gifts. Yeah, we know. In fact, Christmas in Catalonia is pretty poopy. Let me introduce you to the cagané. The cagané is a symbol of harvest and fertility of the land, of rejuvenation and of life. All represented as the figure of a person doing a perfect number two. Traditionally, he's in the nativity scene too, hiding behind the stable, going about his business while Mary holds the newborn son of God in her arms, the three wise men looking on. He's also thought to be a societal leveler, a reminder in a culture who doesn't much care for the church that we're all human. No one is special. We are all equal. Everybody poops. So Christmassy. In the Gothic Quarter, not far from the Barcelona's Cathedral, you can visit La Tienda de Caganeres, where you can buy your own. You love Iron Man, Black Widow, the Hulk? Take a little superhero figure of them pooping back home with you for about 20 euros. Like sports? Grab a Maradona or a Pele or a Messi. Music? Bob Marley, John Lennon, Elton John. And of course, lovely, lovely Ludwig van Beethoven. If you want to learn more about this rather scatological aspect of Catalan Christmas, you can check out our entire episode about it on our podcast, Passport wherever you get podcasts or commercial-free in the Circa app. We'll link you to it in the notes. The art scene, taking the galleries to the streets. At this point, it might seem like popular culture in Barcelona is a little crude, dangerous, or simply gross. And sure... They are definite elements. But this city also has a really strong and influential history for pop art, culture, and world-beating design. Pablo Picasso, born in the south of Spain in Malaga, said that Barcelona was the city that taught me how far I could go. A classically trained painter, his deconstruction of a learned and complex form of painting into his cubist, bold, impressionistic, childlike canvases is maybe the most famous hatchet job in modern art history. Outrageous and brilliantly bold. You can see the biggest collection of his work here, in the Gothic Quarter, at the Picasso Museum. A little tip, book for a Sunday. You can have a guided tour in a variety of languages for only six euros. And you can watch his evolution from a classic realist to a loon. Or see how he broke all the rules and made something new and exciting. Barcelona taught him how to do that. His words, not ours. This place is in fact filled with artists who favored bold, fast, colorful strokes. From Picasso to Juan Miró to the Roy Lichtenstein face which stands at the edge of Barceloneta. Built for the 1992 Olympic Games. You can check out a huge selection of Miro's work at his museum in Montjuic. Also, you can find one of his large mosaic murals, which sits at the center of Las Ramblas, 
one of the most famous streets on earth. Most people just walk right over it. It's near Plaza Real, by the way, if you want to check it out, right under your feet. It was made to welcome visitors from the port. It's one of three, by the way. The other two? One is in the El Prat Airport in Terminal 2 to welcome people coming by air. The other is near Sants train station to welcome those coming by rail. There are bold primary colors all over the city, scribbles wild and free, influenced by these artists' speed, simplicity, and form. Because this is one of the best street art cities in Europe. From a kid named Cornbread, who wrote his love for a girl all over the streets of Philadelphia in the 1950s, to tags all over New York City's subway in the 1970s, graffiti finally began to make a splash in Barcelona. But only after the death of dictator Francisco Franco, which ushered in El Destape, literally the undressing. A sexual, cultural, and artistic volcano that erupted and set fire to all that came with Franco's incredibly oppressive 36-year regime. In the late 1970s and 1980s, Barcelona was suddenly wild again. Historically, its wildest neighborhood, the Raval, is filled with small street art and graffiti works adorning almost every shop shutter in the neighborhood. Head there in the evening or really early in the morning before anything opens to see some truly eye-popping images. Behind the MACBA, Barcelona's Museum of Contemporary Art, you'll find a piece by New York artist Keith Haring, arguably the godfather of modern street art. A long, blood-red mural with Haring's trademark figures, a snake, emblazoned with the words, Todos juntos podemos parar el SIDA. Together, we can stop AIDS. Herring would tragically be taken by the disease only a year later. The original mural painted on a whim in 1989 was in fact once elsewhere, on Plaza de Salvador Segui, one of the neighborhood's most notorious squares. The square wasn't too kind to the artwork, and it was all but destroyed before being recreated from stencils and photos of the original in its new home, just off Plaza de los Angeles. It remains one of the city's most prized public art pieces, but one that had to be fought for and saved. So it goes without saying that the city's relationship to street art is a fairly complicated one. The rules here seem pretty lax, but there are many, many dedicated spaces for artists to work. Some public pieces have remained for years. Some are removed and refreshed all the time. For the former, go and check out the Miro homage, painted into a corner of a demolished block, high above Riareta and San Pau in the Raval. For something new, and to get out of the galleries and into Barcelona's abundant sunshine, go and see some new art on the streets, or in dedicated and approved places to paint. You may even be able to put some new work up yourself. Here's where we recommend you go. Number one, Jardins de las Tres Chimeneas. This industrial-looking park in the Poblano neighborhood is shattered by three huge brick chimneys from a now-defunct 20th-century power plant. A series of high, long concrete walls cut this very urban park, which are constantly being updated and repainted with new and OG artists' work. 
It's always changing and it's definitely worth a weekend visit to see the artists working on their concrete masterpieces. On Saturdays in the warmer months, there is also a little farmer's market where you can buy fresh cheese, bread and veggies and grab a drink or two. So take in the art while having a nice coffee or a vermouth. Number two, Open Walls Conference. Not a place, but a weekend city festival in October celebrating urban artwork. There are seminars, collaborative projects, and star lectures on muralism, street artists, education, the law, and much, much more. Number three, La Escocesa and Poblenau. This old textile factory in Poblenau was recovered, reopened, and put into operation by a group of artists in the mid-90s. An artist residence which holds shows and community events and is painted with some rather striking street artwork. In this neighborhood, you can spot some of the most famous pieces in the city. If you feel like you need a little more insight into how this area of the city has become one of the centers of street art, there are walking tours which will show you where to find the gems. We'll link you in the notes to our favorite tours. Number four, Nau Bostik. This is a little secret. The La Sagrera neighborhood is not a place outsiders usually see, but it's another great example of how Barcelona hangs on to its industrial leftovers. This sprawling art center was once an old glue factory. It really hasn't been renovated much at all. It's edgy and slightly ruinous and covered with art by some of the best street artists in the city. Each month, there are events going on that attract a young crowd, including food trucks, concerts, and of course, lots of vintage clothes markets. Number five, the Gothic Quarter. Barcelona's oldest barrio is filled with wonderful pieces of art hidden among some of the city's oldest, most grand buildings and tiniest alleyways. It's forever changing and evolving. The street art here pops up in doorways, on electricity boxes, road signs, pavements and stairs. Let your eyes wander for stencils, stickers and closed shutter murals. Again, early in the morning is better for the full experience. But it's worth noting on a cultural level too that Barcelona is not a city that rises particularly early. Long, late dinners and too much wine usually put the kibosh on most people heading out at the crack of dawn, especially on the weekends, which is really a great time to explore, with no crowds. But if you love crowds, Barcelona has you covered too. The music scene. Music in Barcelona is constant, but it doesn't really have a sound. The apartments in the barrios blast a mix of 80s Spanish pop, classic dad rock, and rumba catalana. Portable speakers pump out sometimes dubious South American reggaeton and hip-hop. The bars and DJs of Gracia spin an eclectic mix of new cutting-edge electro and underground between uber-cool alt-rock. In many ways, Barcelona is a patchwork city, and music is just another example of how, well, there is no example. Some of the biggest and best European music festivals take place in Spain, and Barcelona itself hosts Primavera Sound, Cruia, and Sona, just within a few weeks of each other. 
Hundreds of acts from all over the world and all genres make this tiny city the place to be at the beginning of June. If you're planning a music-filled vacation, that's when you want to be here. The population of the city during those weeks grows by nearly 200,000 people. So book accordingly. But what is pop music defined by Barcelona? This region's modern musical culture has grown from and was built by an anti-establishment ethos. The scene here was founded on rebels, artists, and designers. For that reason, punk and ska music made a big splash here in the 70s and have both managed to hold on. The idea of trashy Europop, for the most part, feels to have disappeared. We've been to many a Festa Major in the small towns and cities of Catalonia, and the flavor of music outside of the city is very much still all about slightly sneering, fun, sing-along, brass-filled ska, punk, and reggae-tinged rock bands. In the city, though, and outside of the big festival circuit, Barcelona is also home to many great venues and theaters with packed year-round calendars full of both visiting and local acts. Since the 1990s and more strict ordinance laws, the scene is maybe not as open, loud, and non-stop as it once was, but there are a few diamonds still shining. In typical never-knock-anything-down Barcelona style, Razmataz, an old factory-turned-club, once named Sala Zaleste, was saved from debt and renovated and renamed by new owners in 2000. This classic down-and-dirty space offers five different floors, each one hosting five different bands. On any given night, you can always find something to suit your mood. There's also the legendary Sala Apolo and her little sister rooms La Dos and La Tres in Poble Sec on what was once called the Broadway of Barcelona, Avinguda Paralel. The main room is approaching its 80th year and it all started life as an amusement park. Then it was a ballroom, then a bingo hall, then a professional skating club until it became the concert hall and nightclub found today. Apart from good old rock and roll halls, Barcelona also has a deep jazz heritage. So for something a little more soulful or blue, head to Big Bang Bar in the Raval, Jamboree on Plaza Real, or to the Harlem Jazz Club right in the center of the Gothic Quarter. There are tons more, of course, so keep your eye out for a full list of favorites in the notes. From the donkey, the less-than-flattering official animal of Catalonia, to the region's scatological holiday icon, to the mix-and-match live music circuit, and this sprawling, patchworked urban art space, the odd traditions, the numerous parties, the long ancient feasts. No matter what they are and how insane the story, Barcelona is incredibly good at celebrating. These things. Even if these things are an amalgamation of international book day and an old fable, of a Scandinavian tradition or a bygone fairy tale, and even if this place doesn't exactly have a three-chord recognizable worldwide music scene. Barcelona has a kind of pop culture no one else does, and we're really good at celebrating it. Maybe that's the thing that this place does so well. It's great at holding on to things. Not tearing them down, but adding to them. And to be honest, 
It's great at really being unpretentious about it all, or it's totally genius at hiding it. There aren't really cliques here. Everybody is included, from young to old. There are scenes, but there's no scene. Maybe there's a barrio divide, but in all those barrios, you can still drink and eat with groups of people much older and much younger than you, without much of a problem. So, if it sounds like fun, you do it. The culture here is for everyone. Fifty-year-old Pearl Jam T-shirt-wearing dads will turn up to improv jazz gigs. Moms and dads with kids will try to rock three days of Primavera Sound. You'll find students and retired film geeks at the Filmoteca watching a forty-year-old Hindi film together, then having a beer to talk about it in the Raval. Festivals here all offer discounted or free children's tickets. So do art galleries, attractions, historical sites, all traditions. The Sardana, Castells, the Correfoc, they're all ages, no matter how dangerous. And here, if you're old enough, annoying enough, and loud enough, they'll let you in for free too. Some traditions you can't break. In Barcelona, everyone is allowed. Thanks for listening to our Barcelona pop culture episode. If you've not heard our other guides about this city, be sure to check them out. Everything from deeper dives into the Spanish Civil War, the Barcelona food scene, and what to do in this city with kids. Whether you're heading to Barcelona right now, sometime in the near future, or just like to learn all about a place we truly love, you'll get instant access to the full guide plus new episodes on a regular basis when you subscribe to Circa. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app, where you can also get pictures and maps and notes on this episode and more. Maybe you'll want to sample our guides for Iceland, New York, Hawaii, LA, Mexico City, and many more, and many more to come. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.